What if you don't do it? What would be the consequences? Welcome aboard Sprout One. I'm your host, Dave Algio, Chief Sprout Sweater. Settle in as we make our usual trip into our inner space. It may be a bumpier ride than usual as we explore the power of imagining the worst case scenario in helping motivate us to undertake positive sprout-sized action. It's episode 21. What if you don't do it? And as we lift off the pad and before you get into the episode, don't forget, if you find that the demands of life and the meaning of it all is leading you to sleepless nights, tossing and turning with deep and not so deep questions rattling around your head, then hop on over to thesproutsweater.com to gain access to my free Operation Snooze Sleep Improvement audio program. Start getting your head back and your shit together so that you can start getting life back on your terms. Sproutsweater.com How many times have you started on a health campaign or a goal with that all or nothing mindset and only to find that you've ended up dropping the habit or the, the plan? You've ended up sliding back into the old ways and possibly even reversed the gains that you may have made. How many times and over how many years have you done that? Looking back over those years, how much time has actually passed? Now, this is not to depress you. It is, however, to get you to recognise the fallacy that is all or nothing thinking, because it's pretty much nothing most of the time, let's be honest. And time passes. Imagine if over the last few years, instead of engaging in a series of all or nothing blitzes, you started small and slow and added in one healthier sprout-sized habit at a time. Imagine how much progress may have been made by introducing one small change. There's that cliche, isn't there, about the you know the best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago and the next best time is now. Um, but the thing is, when you plant that tree now, you don't see a lot of results, do you? You don't see a lot happening for a long time. And that's the challenge, isn't it, I think, with small sprout-sized habits, that we feel like we don't see the results or intuitively we think all or nothing will bring us the quicker results. But here's the thing, as those habits or smaller habits do start to set down roots, do start to grow, then you do start to get some payback. I've noticed that an example that for me was, um, we live in a two-story house and uh, it's got two flights of stairs. When we first moved in, I remember the first time walking up those two flights of stairs and being a little bit embarrassed that my legs were burning and I was breathless. Now, over the years, not just with the practice of going up and down those stairs, but with introducing things like my couch to 5K, building it up, doing some CrossFit, and then my 60 burpees a day, I've noticed that that no longer happens. But it isn't striking. It isn't particularly obvious. It happened in one moment where I got to the top of my stairs several months ago and realised, you know what? I've bounced up those stairs. I bounced up them, didn't I? And that's the difference because it's in those moments of noticing, those small moments of noticing, that you can see that the payback, you're getting the payback from that habit that you've started a short time ago. And that's why it can be easy to overlook or ignore, but in those moments, that's where you can pick up your motivation. And that's what motivates me. And it's what motivated me to carry on doing them. But what is the bigger picture? 
what is the bigger motivation to actually do these seemingly insignificant things consistently? Well, I mentioned before that my third child, second daughter Rosie, was born when I was 45 years old. <laughs> Boy, did that knock me out. But that aside, I also had a wake-up moment, literally lying in bed, and for some reason this thought popped into my head. I'm going to be 66 when Rosie turns 21. And I realised then that despite previous healthy states I had been in, consistently inconsistent, I think is a phrase I've used in, in previous um, podcasts, I'm, I was never somebody who was consistently a healthy person, fitness-wise, etc. But I had had periods where I had achieved some level of fitness. I realised, though, at that point, that 45-year-old, I was heading in the wrong direction. And a, a, a scary question popped up in my head. Would I make 66? Who knew, I guess. <laughs> and if I did, what state would I be in? And this is where the question what if I don't do it? What if I don't do anything about this? What's the cost? And I imagined it. Now, if you can imagine in the middle of the night, this is what we do, isn't it? You, you imagine the worst case. But actually, there was something really valuable in the imagining of this. And this, as an aside, here's something I don't agree with. I don't agree that it's bad to think of a negative. It's not. It's actually really useful to do it, as I'll illustrate shortly. But Dwelling on the negative, being convinced that that is inevitable or that is all there is, is, is a problem. And that's what I have a problem with. So I don't have a problem with negative thinking per se. It's actually very useful. So let's consider what I was thinking when I was thinking about that question. What if I don't do anything about it? Well, I imagine myself getting heavier, less fit, higher cholesterol, drinking more, feeling less and less energetic. And loathing myself even more. Feeling down and self-conscious more than I already did. And the biggie, not having a great deal of confidence that I would make it to 66. Okay, so perhaps a bit dramatic. Or maybe, maybe not. But was I prepared to take that chance? No, no way. That was the answer. And that's how I felt. I didn't want to take that chance. I imagined what I wanted to be instead. I wanted to be able to do at 66. God willing, I wanted to be able to have a spring in my step. Be fitter than I was at 66. Than I, uh, fitter at 66 than I was at 45. Not a high bar. <laughs> but, you know, I wanted to be proud of myself and looking like a proud dad, not an aging granddad. And I wanted to celebrate and dance and take part in it, in that celebration. I wanted to live it. So what did I do? Well, I took stock, and although I hadn't fully researched tiny habits, it wasn't something that was totally in, in my DNA as it is now, I, I kind of knew at a deeper level that the old all or nothing was not the way forward. It had failed me so many times before. Why would I think it could help me now? So I'd heard of this thing called the Couch to 5K thing and decided to give it a go. Uh, give it a go. And it, and it did work. For those of you who are not so familiar with it, the Couch to 5K is a free program um, that's offered by, I'm not sure whether it's NHS or Health England um, or a number of different organisations working together. But the principle of it is, how can you get yourself off the couch and running 5K? And from what I remember, it's an eight-week program. And what it doesn't do is get you out running three miles the first day. What it does do is get you out walking and running. Walking for a fair bit, running for a minute. And then over the eight weeks, it builds up 
the amount of running and reduces the amount of walking. And that, to me, is a classic sprout sweater approach. It gives the, the person who's embarking on it something that they feel they can achieve, but is yet still challenging enough to make them think, yeah, this is worthwhile. So as I said, it worked. It was a foundation and it started. I started to look at other habits. What could I ditch or reduce that were things that were not so good for me? And what could I introduce? And I started to tackle them one by one. And I still am. I guess I decided back then three things. Core things that I was focused on. Move more, which was about getting flexible and fitter and more active. Eat healthier, things like reducing takeaways, reducing the amount of beer I drink. And sleep better. And now those were my foundation stones and to be our and still are, to be honest. Um, did I fall into all or nothing? Yeah, of course I did. I embarked. I remember when Rosie was bo- not long after Rosie was born, I embarked on a CrossFit blitz. This was my first introduction to CrossFit. I thought it looked great. It was up my street and it was great. So I went on a blitz. The all or nothing kicked in. And a combination of Rosie being a young baby, lack of sleep, and me being an idiot and overdoing it led to injury and burnout. So I learned from it this time, and I stepped back and realised, hang on a minute, Dave, there's the old all or nothing. So I guess the questions that I want you to reflect on as we start to think about this is, what is it? What is the, the area of your life that most preoccupies you, concerns you, and what you feel like you're doing little or nothing to improve. Um, you may have tried all or nothing ways before. You may have been so distracted with life and work that it has become a what I call a before-you-know-it phenomenon. Um, before you know it, three or four years have passed, and suddenly you are half a stone heavier, a stone heavier. You are unable to walk the stairs without breathing heavily, that kind of thing. Before you know it, time has passed, and here you are. So what is that thing? And then, two, ask yourself and spend some time thinking about, what if I don't do anything about this now? What are the consequences likely to be in a year to five years or longer? Consequences on your health, your relationships, your financial or your career or fulfillment aspects, because it isn't just about health. What would be the consequences? And think about them. Go there. Go there and consider them. Now, three, give yourself a further away deadline that than you perhaps you've done in the past. Because I know that when I've realised, oh, you know what, you've let it go again, Dave, I've given myself three weeks, six weeks, something like that. Give yourself a longer deadline, longer than you're inclined to give yourself. Give yourself a luxurious amount of time to improve things. Not so that you can sit on your backside until six weeks before the deadline, but give yourself a luxurious amount of time. Say in five years' time, what do you want to be doing? And picture it, feel it, smell it, taste it, believe it. Which brings me to a key point, which is make it believable. There is no use creating a vision that you just don't believe in. Make it believable. Something that you think, I can get there, I can do that. In that time, I can do that. And this is what it smells, tastes, feels like. And then, Your final task is identify three small habits, three initial habits, perhaps one thing that you can stop doing and two things that you'll start doing. Identify them. What are they? How small can you make the changes and how can you embed them into your life? And how can you then consistently do them before 
building upon them. And by making them small, you may make them feel insignificant. But remember, this is not where they will stay. You're planting seeds, you're growing things, and they take time. And as the time progresses, you'll add to them. You'll improve and add on the habits and build on them and head in that that bigger direction. Those are craft. The Sprout One begins the landing process, allowing you to return to your fellow humans. Identify the consequences of not taking sprout-sized action. And decide today to sweat the sprouts that will move you away from that and towards your vision for the future. I hope you've enjoyed your flight aboard Sprout One. For show notes and information on how to get the podcast feed direct to your Apple Podcasts, Spotify or other favourite podcast feed, visit SproutSweater.com. And touchdown.